It's 11 minutes after 7 on News Talk ZB. We are now joined by Mike Hesson, former Black Cap head coach. Currently, though, uh, up to his neck, up to his eyeballs in the IPL. He is the Director of Operations for Cricket for the Royal Challengers Bangalore. He joins us now as we discuss this upcoming semi-final matchup. Mike, welcome to the programme, and let's face it, it's been an incredible tournament so far. Look, it has, and I think it's uh, definitely the format where um, teams can be closer together, and I think we've seen that with you know, multiple upsets uh, from sides that no one really thought would, you know, would, would play a massive role in the tournament. So, you know, if you haven't been upset by a so-called team, then you've, uh, you've pretty much dodged a bullet. So pretty much every team has has found some of these supposed easy games difficult. And, and that's what, for me, that's what's made the tournament great. And you add to that the time zone for, for a New Zealand fan, um, and it just doesn't get any better. So does this d- diminish the tournament to a degree that it can be, there can be upsets, or to just underline the fact that the, the nations are actually a lot closer and this format leaves that right open for everybody? Well, I think what you want in, in any sporting event, and I mean, you look at, I mean, I'll, I'll use football as an example. I mean, there's very few games that you turn up to a World Cup and you know that's going to be an easy game, and that's what you want. In a truly international sport, um, you know, we did have eight teams, then we sort of had 10, and now we, to be fair, we've probably got 16 to 18 teams that the 18th team could actually win on their day. And, and that, to me, that's what sport's all about. You know, you know that if you don't turn up and play as well as you are, as well as you can, uh, whether you're ranked number one or maybe you can get turned over. And I think that's what elite sport's all about. And certainly the likes of the Netherlands beating South Africa uh, the other day, certainly. Um, for me, as a sporting fan, that's what I want us to see. I want to see that if South Africa don't front up, they've got a chance to get rolled over. Can you link this with the fact that there are so many T20 leagues globally now, so a number of the players have experience at the white-hot end of competition like that, that they transfer to the international game? Yep, I think that's definitely a part of it, without doubt. I think the other part is naturally the shortened version. You know, you only need two or three players to have a, a very good day um, rather than, you know, in a one-day game or a test match, you're obviously significantly more moments during a game you need to dominate. Whereas in T20, if you can dominate a five-over period um, and one player can do that, then you can swing a game. So you don't need to have, you know, the, the amount of depth that you do potentially in test cricket or, or one-day international cricket. So... Um, without doubt, that pulls it close together. I, I think the pitchers in Australia early on in the tournament played a role as well. Uh, they were a little bit spicy and, and certainly brought the, the medium paces more into play. And um, and that, that, I think, played a part. It certainly didn't play a part in the Netherlands. However, that was just, um, yeah, just some outstanding cricket. Uh, Mike Hesson joins the programme. We look toward the, the semi-final coming up at 9 o'clock tonight. We are talking last night, Mike, on the show about the possibility of, of T20 overtaking uh, the 50-over game as the, the prominent white ball version of the game. Do you see that as being a possibility where it may be a tsunami might might flood 50-over? Oh, I think it probably has, Darcy, already, to be fair. I think if you look at the, uh, the viewership, the amount of people that turn up to, to T20 international games, you know, they, they are... They sort of suit the, today's audience, you know, in terms of, you know, basically turning up and, and spending four hours rather than a whole day. Um, I think there is still, you know, a huge following of one-day cricket, and I'm certainly one that, that loves it. But in terms of viewership um, and so forth, I think T20's probably taken over. And one-day cricket's, you know, got a bit more history. And as I said, it's for the more of the purists. I think there's a, a real 
role for it, but uh, but T20 cricket's probably, well, it's certainly the way of generating revenue and keeping the game going, that's for sure. Right, let's look to tonight's game. No one thought Pakistan could get through. They did, by hook or by crook. Regardless, they are there now. New Zealand in pretty good form. The winning and the losing of the game for New Zealand, where does it sit? Where does it lie? Uh, I think it lies both of the power play, both sides, really. I think that um, if the New Zealand openers can attack uh, Pakistan seamers and um, or if Pakistan could potentially use their spinners in the power play, which I think would be a smart move at the SCG. Um, I think if they bowl seamers up front, then the likes of Finn Allen and, and Devin Conway could do something similar to what they did against Australia. So I think if New Zealand look to take the game on in the power play, um, that can get ahead of the game, and, and we know Pakistan can potentially you know, get frustrated and, and drop the ball a little bit there. Um, and conversely, I think New Zealand's new ball attack against the likes of, of Rizwan, I know Barbara Azam hasn't been in great form throughout the tournament, but he's always um, a match winner. And uh, in T20 cricket, he was number one in the world not so long ago. So uh, I think making you know breaking partnerships there. I think the rest of the game is pretty even. But uh, if New Zealand can dominate the power play, uh, bat and ball, then that'll that'll go a long way. What have you made of New Zealand's ability to adjust on the fly to to change what they're attempting to do as conditions and as wickets fall during the game? Are they making a decent fist of this, Mike? Well, yeah, I think they are. I mean, I think you've got a lot of experience in that group. You've got a lot of World Cup experience in, in both white ball formats. So, you know, and there have been enough close games and close battles that at any time you can swing and you can shift your strategy. And you can only do that if you've got, you know, a, a really um, sound team uh, and some really smart cricket brains. So I think, I think New Zealand's fortunate enough to have both. What about the concept um, around Nisham v Bracewell? Is there debate there about that selection when you consider what Bracewell can do with a slow delivery? We are at Sydney. Also, what he's been doing in the bat and the fact they've been, well, they haven't really used Nisham with the ball, have they? Is there is there an argument there? Oh, I think if Pakistan had some more left-handers, then yes, there would be. You know, there's not a huge amount of left-handers in that Pakistan lineup. You know, Shan Masood sort of probably being the the one who's you know, played a role for them in the middle. Um, I think if they had three or four, then Bracewell could do that role. But, you know, Nisham still with the bat in that finisher role um, has been important for New Zealand. He, he's, he's only really played one inning as a sub since this tournament, but, but he's done it before. Um, and batting at six, you know, you've really got to be a batsman first. And I think that's what Nisham is. Uh, the bowling is very much a bonus. And, you know, the other five bowlers for New Zealand have done a, done a fine job. So personally, I, I wouldn't look to tinker with it. The mental state, Mike, of the team, close but so far away on so many occasions now when it comes to white ball cricket, either 50 over or the, or the 20 over game. How would you, as a coach, look to prep these guys to get the best out of them for this evening's game? Yeah, look, I think the last two white ball World Cup finals, New Zealand have actually played really well. So it's not like, you know, 2015, we were, we were a bit um, off the pace and, and we were beaten by a better side. But, you know, 2019 and, and then last year, we actually played actually played pretty well. It wasn't like we, we didn't turn up. So I think New Zealand will be looking to do the same. I think um, just be really professional in terms of how they operate and you know adapt to conditions and, and realise that the game's not always going to go your way either. There will be some, some swings in there that you're going to have to suck up and uh, try and apply some pressure in different ways. But um, I think New Zealand have, have enough match winners to compete with Pakistan. It's just, as I said, if they can get ahead of them, I think then they can, uh, you know, they can, they can look to dominate. Who's your key player? One guy that you think a lot rests on? Uh, I think Conway. I think Conway's that uh, that sort of glue that holds it together with with a strike rate. I think he's got the ability to attack both spin uh, in the power play and pace. So 
for me, uh, he also obviously missed a pretty key event last year in terms of missing the final of the T20 World Cup. I think he'll be fiercely determined to do well. So, yeah, I see him as a key player. One of the scariest things you can hear as a parent is quiet. But if you do get a little quiet time, have a listen to The Parenting Hangover. It's not scary at all. If I bump into a couple and they have a boy and they have a girl, and I'm like, oh, boy, girl, snip. You've got a boy, you've got a girl, get the snip. You're done. You get to figure out what it's like raising a girl, you get to figure out what it's like raising a boy. Save yourself a shit ton of stress and money. You've got your perfect little family. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.